0: Your YouTube feed is crap. Stop wasting your time watching bot-boosted shills and self-appointed gurus cloying for your attention. Instead, join the Gosslings, interview, live, stream, and podcast. The Gosslings, a dark-lit digital speakeasy of free thinkers. A super chat of radical truth-seeking wizards who eat trolls for second breakfast. Topics that'll make your mama's hair stand on end. Ideas that'll make your pastor's knees knock. Guests that will illuminate the hidden chambers of your mind. And interviews that strike down the darkness. Welcome to The Goslings.
1: Tomorrow, so tonight was just sort of an introduction. They had a Jewish rabbi and a Christian guy talking. And I can talk about that because I think, I think this we're, we're sort of on the cusp of where we need to we need to do these these things a little bit differently. Uh, the relationship between Christians and Jews. I, I had a, a talk with uh, a couple guys who do documentary films from the UK. Uh, they they're doing a series called Whose Land." It kind of got off track because of the pandemic and everything being shut down for the last couple of years. But I had a long talk, pretty deep talk with these guys about my thoughts and my thoughts kind of came out of my sermon from last Sunday, which was the trial of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we had this, how, how is this going to work? This reconciliation between Christians and Jews in the end times, um, I don't think it's just getting together for a conference with, uh, like we did tonight, with an ABBA cover cover band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even though they were very, very good, and and with songs I actually knew, as opposed to a lot of <laughs> popular radio now that I, I have no idea who these people are and what they're singing. <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I'm 68, so there I have a reason for that. But I, I do I'm I 39. Remember... I don't, John. Okay, I, I, yeah, you're I'm with you're you. Kind of, you probably need to get some uh, counseling or something. You we know what? Do. Tried it twice, and get she said stick. no. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you here? Thanks, Why Margaret. You... Love you. So anyway, um, but you know, we have these conferences, and we get together, and we talk, and we say nice things about that. But there, there's sort of a an apex there's a there's a reconciliation thing that's coming and i've kind of been thinking and i know there's other guys that have been thinking about his like what what does that look like how does that work out what what are we doing mm-hmm. and i heard a i heard a talk a, a little introduction to a talk by a guy i know named reg kelly and 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 so i'll, I'll be upfront, you know with everybody that I, I would hope it's a pre-trib rapture, but I, I'm not convinced of that. I think it's later. Okay. And a lot of the guys I talked to tonight are on that that same uh level. Um and, and you'll probably questions
0: actually. Yeah. You'll you
1: you're yeah. probably find less pre people in Jerusalem than you will in America. Certainly in America. <laughs> there's there's no doubt about it, unless there's a big group of them visiting from out of town. Hmm. Um and and because I've sat and talked had long talks with people here in Jerusalem and it, they're just not, they're just not pre-trib. And, and so I, I was thinking about this cause I, I, my sermon was on the trial of Jesus last week and you can go listen to it if you want on our YouTube channel, Fellowship Bible Chapel. And Jesus went to the Sanhedrin and he had these three trials on, you know, and, and they violated like 20 rules. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't supposed to try somebody in the morning before the morning sacrifice. Well, this, you know, the, the hearing he had before Annas and then the one before Caiaphas, the high priest and Annas, the former high priest who still wielded a lot of power at that time. He, those were in the morning, they violated the thing. And then, you know, they goes to the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin, they had to have at least 23 there. They could have as many as 71, and we know from scripture, there are some people who are part of that council. I think um, uh, Joseph of Arimathea was uh, part of that. Now, I don't know if Joseph of Arimathea was the guy who came um, uh, Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night was I think I'm pretty sure he was part of the Sanhedrin and they had to have a majority vote. But it, it like so if you had twenty three, which was the, the minimum that you needed for a trial to Sanhedrin, the you had to whatever was done with the person who was charged, they had to be convicted by at least two votes, which mean it, it couldn't have been 12 to 11. It would have had to been 13 to 10. Uh, and if all of them were there, there were 70 plus the high priest. So there's 71. Um the other rule was that it, and Jesus was convicted by unanimous acclamation of the Sanhedrin, which is totally against the rules. They have to vote because it's a capital crime. So they violated all these rules, and then it was a unanimous vote. And under the rules, a unanimous vote had to be thrown out. <laughs> now you think, well, wait a minute, well, isn't that what you're going for? And the reason is, and I, I think this sort of has to do with Jewish culture. You know, there, there's the joke, I heard it tonight uh, at the at the Christian Media Summit. Uh, if you have two Jews, you have at least three opinions yep. on something.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, God hates groupthink, maybe?
1: Well, it's in, did
0: you ever, but, John, did you ever read that book, World War Z by Max Brooks, Mel Brooks' no. son? So he talks about that in there. He says, uh, you know, it's a it's a fictional, you know, thing about the zombie apocalypse. But they had this concept in there called the 10th man concept where it's like it, in a room of 10 men, we want one guy. And it was in the book. It's developed in Israel. Uh, and he said, like, you know, if everybody has a plan, we got to have at least one guy who disagrees with the one plan. voice of dissent.
1: Well, yeah. And that's that was the whole point of the rule was that if there was complete agreement among all these Jewish leaders, scholars, whatever, then there must be collusion and something corrupt going on (laughs) right yeah (laughs) and it's kind of an interest as someone who's been a trial lawyer for 47 years it's kind of an interesting concept because you know in in federal court uh i don't know if it's still the rule or not you have to get a unanimous verdict so you can have the lone Mm -hmm. you know person holding out yeah but the sanhedrin rules were no unanimous if it's a unanimous verdict it's it's by definition corrupt and has to be thrown out. So so, so as, a, as I was preparing that talk, I went through and looked at when the other seminar, uh, through the book of Acts, which our church is going to be teaching on next, all the apostles, John, Peter, um they got drugged before, and then Paul all got drugged before the Sanhedrin. And I heard a talk by a guy I know named Reg Kelly, and reg I'm pretty sure Reg is post-trib. But hes he just really thinks through the scriptures. And I don't agree with him on everything, okay? But I learn a lot when I listen to him. They have a little group called the Mystery of Israel, and they just get together like, 50, 60 people and they talk about the scripture and ask questions and somebody will do a two hour presentation and the other people will challenge them and that type of thing. It's, it's a, it's just a great format that I've been to a few times, but Reg was talking about what, what are we, and this is what I talked about with some guys from the UK tonight who've been thinking about this too, is like this reconciliation thing that's going to happen, you know, how does it happen? So let me just give you kind of the pre-rath post-trib perspective on how that all works out, with the understanding that like we all want pre-trib, okay? Yeah. But what if it's not? Okay. Right. Yeah. And and the best evidence of who's right on that will be when it happens, you know, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so if it happens pre-trib, argument's over. But if mm-hmm. it doesn't, then. We've got a whole host of issues to deal with mm-hmm. in the body of Christ. And the apostasy thing is a, is a concerning thing to me because it means falling away, departing from the faith, and that that's a concern of mine. But I, I think, too, just as a sidebar, sidebar is what lawyers say when they want to go off topic, and it just sounds like they're, you know, making, they're trying to sound smart and making a point, but... <laughs> Um, if I, for example, I, I had a big, big trial once, and um, the judge said a uh, counsel could I have a sidebar. You know, the jury's in the courtroom, and we're examining witnesses and presenting evidence, and we go up there, and you think, you know, is there something wrong? And he's like, uh, you know, I ate something last night that's not really agreeing with me, and I really got to go to the bathroom. Do you mind? Uh, if we take a break now <laughs> and, uh, so that's, that's what happens at the sidebar sometimes, Okay, so, <laughs> but the, the sidebar here too, is that a lot of times that in, in this debate over the timing of the rapture gets where there's a lot of, you can say there's, it's one of those things where there's a lot of heat, but not a lot of light. Sometimes the, the, the pre wrath poster people will say, well, you know, Pre-trip people will be so disappointed, they'll fall away from the faith if it's not a pre-trip rapture. And I I acknowledge that could happen, but as I've been thinking through it and looking at what goes on, I don't think that having there are gonna be a lot of problems with everybody in the body because of how severe these things are gonna be mm-hmm. if we're if we're still here. And so then the question becomes, too, is how, how does that relate to this whole Jewish Christian reconciliation thing? And Paul has this phrase in Romans chapter 11, like, I, I would that I would provoke them to jealousy. And so the question is, how how does that come about? What what does provoking them to jealousy mean? Hmm. And I'm, I'm more convinced than Reg Kelly and his talk. And it it was just kind of a throwaway, but it really stuck with me, which is the way Bible teaching does a lot of times. It's like, I'll do something, I'll work on it, and I'll think, yeah, these are the important points. And then somebody will write and like, oh, you know, you taught this and it prompted me to think about this. And I rededicated my life to the Lord. And it's like, okay, well, then that's the Lord doing that. So I don't think it's fair to say that it's just preacher people are going to be distressed and in trouble because I think it's going to be people in the post-trib and pre-wrath camps as well because of the things that are coming. So I just, I just don't like those throwaway or I think they're kind of, you know, they're just kind of little bombshell arguments or grenade arguments you throw into the conversation. Like, yeah. okay, now I've solved that problem. And I'm, and, and I'm not sure you have. So the point of all this was when you look at like Steven, standing before the Sanhedrin, Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 6 and 7. I mean, he gives this great, to the same guys who've tried Jesus, he gives this great defense of this whole Jewish Christian thing that's come together in Jesus, one in Messiah. And it says in there, you know, like, his face shone like an angel. Well, mm-hmm. well, who was there when that happened? It was Paul. Paul was standing right there, and who's like the was the greatest evangelist in the early church. Oh yeah, Paul, it, yeah, it was sure. Paul, and he wrote you know most of the the with the epistles in the New Testament. So it, it's very. I just been thinking about it, and I think the phrase that I've seen used is. We need to be a people prepared, a people prepared to stand faithful with the biblical prof- prophetic witness under the guidance of the Holy Spirit in that period of time. And it, it's going to bring, God will use it to bring both Jews and Gentiles to himself in which and then there'll be this unity that'll take place. So... I just been thinking about that. It's just something that's been on my heart now for about three weeks. I can't get it out of my head. Mm -hmm. And so then the question is, so how do we how do we move that direction? And and I talked to several people. They live here in Jerusalem. They meet regularly with Jews and Jewish leaders and they know the political people and the parties and all the stuff that's going on right now with the formate, you know, Netanyahu trying to form a new government. But then the question is, so we know that there's this time of trouble coming, and how do we, assuming we're here, so let's prepare like we're going to be here, how do we stand as a faithful witness to people at their worst time of history? And we can almost say like, hey, you know what, listen, we knew this time was coming and we're here to help you as we Hmm. reconcile. And I think this is how it's going to work out. I'm more convinced of that. So it's just, you know, you, you can to think I'm a crackpot or anything, but it's just something that I've been. Yeah, I think it's great. Talking with people about. And, and then tonight I really had an opportunity with a couple guys to, uh, I won't embarrass them by giving their names. Uh, but, and the one guy was saying, you know, this is what I've been thinking about for a co- for years now. How, wow. We we have all these meetings, and we have all this stuff, but but where does it end? And it it's it's interesting. Now there's a possibility I may go down to Hebron, Hebron mm-hmm. uh, Friday for Shabbat dinner with a uh, a Jewish rabbi and his family. Oh man, that'd be cool. And uh, and I, I the person's been a Facebook friend of mine and Twitter follower and stuff for a long time. And he's Jewish, man. I mean, he's settler, Zionist, that type of thing. He's a great guy. But you know, there is this tradition about Hebron, uh, that it was at Hebron, where Jacob, or where uh, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Leah are buried. And there's, there's no doubt that this is the place. And you have the structure built by King Herod two, over 2,000 years ago that stood through earthquakes and everything. And it, they built a mosque and a synagogue up on the top, <clears throat> but the memorial building that Herod built is pretty much what it was 2,000 years ago. It's uh hmm. it's one of the oldest, I think, completely intact buildings that they've ever had, and there's and this Hebron is a today is a flashpoint it's one of the biggest flashpoints in the conflict between the Jews and the Arabs but some of the rabbi tradition is that Hebron is the pattern for what will happen because when Isaac was buried at Machpelah Jacob and Esau and Esau's Edom, you know, and related mm-hmm. to the Ishmaelites and that type of thing. And Esau married into that family, which have been at odds for a long time. But the rabbis teach that it will be at Hebron and that some great future day, where this reconciliation will take place. Mm-hmm. And, and so the one thing that we, you know, oh, yeah, you know, that's, and I have no doubt Jesus was at the cave of Machpelah, the structure there that Herod had built. Um, And it's been a flashpoint. There was a Jewish guy. What was his name? Goldstein or something like that, who went in there probably 25 years ago or more and shot up the mosque part and killed about 25 people. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And as a result of that, they've shut down. So there's all these streets there between the the Tomb of the Patriarchs building and where the ancient tell was. And the ancient tells where David had his palace. And you can go there, and there's a staircase that you can walk down to get out onto the tell. But in Abraham's time, that staircase was where you would walk up to the city gate at okay. that and it's one of the oldest staircases, if not the oldest staircases of antiquity that's been uncovered by archaeologists in the world. Wow. And I've walked on it. But the other thing too is that when Abraham walked on it when he came there, it was already seven or eight hundred years old. Oh wow. Wow. So so you know, we we had these things like you know, you drive around and I mean, had a big case up in boston so i spent a lot of time in boston you'd go out there like cape ann and that type of thing you'll see these homes out there built in 1687 or something like
0: that yeah. well that you
1: know that so in 1687 that means that the staircase at uh to the ancient city of Hebron, where david ruled from for seven years uh six, you know so it's 200 what is it 300 years old to us but it's, um, that, that it's 4,200 years old. Yeah. The Staircase yeah, Yeah. <laughs> around. Yeah. So that, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. So heaven's very important. And, and there was also, there was a, a I think in 1928 or 29, the Arabs slaughtered, I mean, literally slaughtered, um, mm-hmm. 75 Jewish men, women, and children at hebron and so it, it's it's always been a flashpoint. when i got back from israel five years ago when we went down there for the first time i did a talk about i don't know if it's still on the internet or not i know i did a talk i know i prepared a talk called why hebron matters mm-hmm. and i must have become a class project at al Quds university because i had like All of a sudden, they had hundreds of Arab followers. But some of these guys were like, I mean, I looked at their Facebook and uh, other pages, and I mean, these are like Hamas terrorists and stuff that are following me after just talking about it. So it's it's a very divided city. So hopefully I'm I'm going to get down there. I may, as I said, may be able to have a Shabbat dinner before (laughs) I fly back uh with uh, a Jewish rabbi and his family and I think it's these things that it's kind of I just think it's significant that this is happening at Hebron or where, yep. where this reconciliation thing happened and Jewish rabbis believes it's a reconciliation thing that's a pattern for the future ultimate reconciliation hmm. between Jews and Arabs and Christians and Jews and all this other stuff so anyway that,
0: you know that that, that kind of leads me to that kind of leads me to one of my questions. So you talk about a flashpoint and a you know a future reconciliation. Um, then there's but then you have in Jerusalem you have the Dome of the Rock sitting on the ancient temple grounds,
1: sure. and
0: uh, you know we we understand <laughs> from scripture that you know the the temple has to be rebuilt. It's one of the huge markers uh, of uh, of end times events that, uh, that that you point out. Um, does the dome of the I mean it would be a huge flashpoint if the dome of the rock had to be removed in order for that to happen. Are are the so, yeah, so are they looking at a different location or
1: well okay, so um I'm not sure how to approach this first. So let's let's talk about the different theories on the locations of the temple. Mm-hmm. There are about four. One is the dome of the rock. And I also think that maybe we need to look at the scripture. Uh, because it says when you see Jesus talks about, I mean, and that's this what Jesus talks about. This is like kind of central to all of end-time Bible prophecy. Yeah. Matthew chapter 24. Yeah. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, get out of town. <laughs> um but and and then Paul builds on that in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse second Thessalonians two verse four. And the question is, does a temple have to be built? And the answer is, I don't know, but I can't tell you from talking to some people tonight that this is going to be a big deal in the, in the near term.
0: Those are some of the questions we were going to ask you, but you know what, when it comes to King Charles, it's so weird calling him King Charles. Yeah. Like he's always, even at 39, he's always John at Prince Charles, you know, in my, in my mind, but, uh, but you know what, um, you know, no one ever suspects the, you know who no one ever suspects to try and assassinate the King, the jester. Mm. Yeah. You know, the fool, no one ever suspects the fool. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way it's kind of a five D chess big brain move by, uh, by you know satan to you know maybe even utilize
1: that's um, a good point you know somebody like him so so i'm just i'm just saying is like i'm not too dismissive so another one would be uh you know look i have friends who believe that the the final babylon will be a rebuilt babylon in iraq right and yeah it may very well be Okay, I remember now, all this stuff about Saddam
0: Hussein uh, back in the 90s, yeah. you know, digging that stuff up. I used yeah, to read all those did. like Tex Mars books, you know, about that stuff and
1: yeah. I, you know, and and there was a blog post by the somebody at the Washington Post. You can probably dig through the web archive and find it. I have at times been able to find it. Where they were talking about, "Hey, let's move the UN to Babylon. Rebuild Babylon and move the UN there." and that came from secular people sometimes i wonder if they're just trolling us or whether they really a
0: little bit like the pergamum thing that uh that obama was doing you know the uh, the seat of pergamum and yeah i
1: I think there's a little bit of that that goes around listen um but it's ritualistic in nature also well that but you know that that altar the zeus altar from pergamum There's a guy who did a, I did a talk on that back in 2016, in March of 2016. It's probably still online someplace. Uh, Might be at Believers in Grace Church out in Iowa. And I, I did a thing on Pergamum that weekend. And I had found this incredible video where the guy did a 3D recreation video of the Acropolis of Pergamum, including the Zeus altar, which ended up in the Pergamum Museum. Mm -hmm. on museum island in berlin but that that altar was the inspiration for a young architect in 1930s germany named albert Speer, who used it as the model to build the nazi uh viewing reviewing grounds at nuremberg and so i mean there really is a satanic connection to that type Mm -hmm. of thing and then you have our president come along and do the same thing when he accepted the nomination. I think it was at Denver at mm-hmm. Mile High Stadium. So you see all these again, this is just like these convergence of these things. So so my friends who believe that Babylon will be rebuilt in Iraq. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get up and say, You're you're a fruitcake, you're you're a lunatic for believing that. It may work out yeah. that way. Yeah, but I also can use common sense that you know it look at Dubai, it's it's taken 30 years to get Dubai into mm-hmm. this phenomenal commercial city. Mm-hmm. You have Mohammed bin Salman, who's trying to build that uh, Neom, the line down there in Saudi Arabia, and they're actually moving. I mean, in my next update, I'll actually have satellite images of what's going on there. Uh, and I, there's been drone footage of the construction going on, and they're, they're building it. But that that type of city has in, in in the look of neom inside between those walls is hanging gardens which is very much like babylon yep um and the other thing too to remember too is that when god intervened at babel the tower of babel the tower wasn't finished yeah so it doesn't mean that the city has to be completely finished that's yeah. not what i'm saying but it has to be this great commercial city and so if that's the case, then you can probably move some of the stuff about in times off a few decades, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is not a attractive prospect with the way things are going right now.
0: <laughs> right. That's a long few decades.
1: John. <laughs> like I said, we, I'm 68. Okay. I, I've i been most of the places I wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> done most of i haven't shot my age yet in golf but uh
0: okay okay i've come within
1: within one stroke oh we got to get
0: you and stephen pressfield together then you know oh yeah he's the guy who wrote the legend of bagger
1: vance and uh the Uh, war of Gates of fire so i you guys don't know me that well so i do have a golf story and so i really i i have a I worked this into, they always say have an elevator speech when you're marketing. And we were trying a case in Fort Worth, Texas and we're on about the eighth floor and the ninth floor. And on eight, uh, the doors open and a judge gets on and, and Fort Worth, Texas is judges were Stetson's and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so I he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he cool. goes, well, I hear you boys <laughs> are down here from Ohio trying a case. So yes, your honor, we are. And, uh, you up there with Judge Crowley. I said, yes, sir. And uh, he goes, well, it's pretty mighty hot. It was in the summer. He goes, mighty hot here, isn't it? Hmm. He goes, it's so hot. I don't even think I want to go home and cut my grass. And so I said, well, you know, Judge, golf is played on grass. And let me tell you about what happened to me one time when I was playing golf. And so between the eighth floor and the first floor, I got my whole story in. And my my (laughs) partner had heard this like a thousand times by now. He's like Haller, just shut up. To his quit, quit trying to bring that into every conversation. So, I went out to play golf with a friend of mine. Uh, it was we we're taking the weekend off. He was in from Arizona for the Memorial Tournament, which was at Muirfield Village in Dublin. It was the closest course to the house I lived in. We would play golf in the morning, tournament in the afternoon. So Sunday morning, we went to a course right across the river. Second hole was 175 yards uphill into the wind. I hit a six iron, hit about 10 feet from the hole, boom, in for a hole in one. Then there was a short par four. Then the fourth hole is 195 yards, downwind, pins all the way. You can't even see the bottom half of the pin because it's behind a trap. And I turned to my friend and I said, don't aim at the pin. It'll never stay on the green with the wind behind us. Mm-hmm. So I took the same club, same ball, aimed to the middle of the green, but I pushed it. It just barely... It hit on the downslope on the you know cleared the trap, hit on the downslope, took one bounce and hit the flag stick and dropped in for another hole in one. So, so I've only I've only had two, and I missed a third one in the same round with that same ball by an eighth of an inch. Oh my gosh. So but so that's been twenty-seven Stop. years ago. So I I don't know that I but i always <laughs> i always amazing. Say, well i think <laughs> i think you have a special dispensation to tell a story like that a golf story <laughs> if the odds of it happening whatever you did happening are, are greater than 65 million to 1 and the odds are 67 million to 1 that you would uh, someone would do that in, in the same round so better uh, than
0: the dinosaurs john
1: you know <laughs> yeah you know, so so like i said i had an elevator speech and i worked it in between the, eighth, uh, and the eighth floor and the first floor. And my my partner's like, oh, I can't believe I've heard oh, this that's awesome. so Dude. Times.
0: Uncle Steve, he would love to talk <laughs> to you that about that. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's our favorite author, and he's, yeah. he's oh, okay. been a great. Uh,
1: he's been a good guest, uh, good friend. Sort
0: of Patreon, kind of of ours, in yeah, a, in a weird way, a yeah. benefactor in so many ways. Uh, I'm familiar with this.
1: Authors. I'm familiar with the story, so it's yeah. So
0: yeah, it that's does. Have, I
1: mean, I I could go on, but that's. They're the only two that I ever had, and they came literally ten minutes apart. So,
0: hey John, I got a question for you. Uh, That is that is an awesome golf story. That's great. I thought I was so cool with my birdie like twenty years ago. (laughs) Like you know, you you nailed it, John. Um, I got a question for you. Uh, That's kind of a it's a bit of a layered question. Um, We have so many topics, and we're not going to be able to get to any of our questions in time. But um, things like You know, you mentioned the Tower of Babel and, uh, you know, and the idea of maybe rebuilding Babylon, um, you know, that they were hoping to do and having it be the seat of the UN, you know. And then you look at all these things that are these convergence points that are happening now with Elon Musk and um, and with uh, transhumanism and then Mm -hmm. things that you talk about, like Neuralink, smart cities, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And then later on, do you think? later on with the Tower of Babel, do you think that we are headed towards another major point like that, as we've kind yes. of talked about already, within our lifetime of having something that is so egregiously technologically advanced and prideful that it will cause God to basically spank us like he did Hold at the, the Tower book. of Babel, you right. know, for our own sake?
1: Yeah, I ha- I have no doubt that this is coming. I mean, yeah. look, it's... Um... It was one of the talks I have with some people tonight. I was like, we do these prophecy, do these prophecy updates. And so back in 20. They're amazing, by the way. Yeah, we've been listening to them. So in 2021, one of the first or one or two that I did in the in the year, I think it was like. Okay, so how far are we going to get into 2021? Mm -hmm. Before we we say, I wish we could go back to the good old days of 2020. (laughs) <laughs> or in 2022, like you know, how how far into the year were we? Like three yeah. days, maybe, before yeah. we said, "Could we go back to the good old days of 2021?" And so, and i and I'll do it if I remember uh, to do it in early 2023. Like, could we go back to the good old days of 2022? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that we're, I don't think we're ever going back at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see it. There's too much acceleration convergence of all this yep. stuff happening all that
0: singularity
1: kind of angle you know that and AI... some of it and look i don't know how successful these guys will be anyway yeah but it's like how but so what so we, we have sat around and done the uh mm-hmm. prophecy update and ancient Babel. you know uh chiseling on rocks like well i don't really think they'll ever get this tower built Mm -hmm. that wasn't the point the point is what were they doing what was behind it that was so egregious to god that he intervened right into human history at that time and so the next time he intervenes i think is this is it this is the the end times where he comes and sets up his kingdom look i the stuff that i see i don't even put a a tenth of what i see into these updates wow i mean i could just sit there
0: very dense yeah
1: i you know and i i talk longer than a lot of guys and that's just that's just me but i've threatened that i'm I'm just going to sit there with my news feed open on my iphone (laughs) and do an update someday (laughs) yeah because that that's that's how it is
0: yeah so, hey, if you guys have been enjoying this interview and you'd like to hear the rest of it, including some really down and dirty stuff that we're not allowed to say here on YouTube, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash the goslings. We'd love to have your support there and share exclusive content with you. That's right. Keep it cool. And remember, these are interviews that strike down the darkness. They do indeed strike down that's the right. darkness. They strike down all the darkness. That's right. Strike it down hard. So hard.